0: What's going on everybody? This is Stanton Moore and you're listening to the South Paul Podcast. We are so excited to bring you episode two titled The Reconstructed Wine Skin. I pray it blesses you. We're super passionate about this topic and we believe it with all of our hearts. Let's jump in. What's going on everybody? Welcome to episode two. Of the South Paul Podcast. I'm Stanton Moore. I'm sitting here with Hunter Hudgens. And today we're going to be talking about the reconstructed wineskin. Mm. And we're super excited. Hunter, I'm pumped. Oh, dude, I have been stirred up like
1: since like the, we decided on this topic. Man, I mean I've been I've been I I've i have been
0: i have definitely been stirred up. Uh been been a little giddy, like a little schoolgirl. Oh yeah. So that, <laughs> so we want to give you a quote that helps put all this into context. And will help you understand uh, kind of what we're talking about um, when we jump into this. And this quote says, You never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. Wow. That's Buckminster Fuller. Wow. So Hunter and I believe that the Lord is raising up currently. He has been and he is raising up. Communities of believers, kingdom families yeah. all around the world that passionately burn with a desire to be a part of something more than just traditional typical church on Sunday morning. Yeah. And these are these new wineskins, that kind of how we would say it, are beginning to take form and kingdom families are building all over the world all over the earth that are going to hold the new wine of God's Spirit. So when we talk about the wineskin and when we talk about the wine, that vernacular and that vocabulary comes from Mark chapter 2, verse 22, where Jesus is speaking and he says, No one pours old wine into a new wineskin. So, or no one pours new wine into an old wineskin. Sorry, I got, I got it backwards. I'm so fired up, I got it backwards. So no man pours new wine into an old wine skin. In the natural, if you look at it back in like in biblical times even, when they would take when they would take like old wine and put it into the wine skin if it had not if it had not received the proper amount of oil mm. and it had not been reconstructed if you will, it would cause the wine skin to bust and break. Yeah. So what is the wine? The wine represents the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It is the wine of God's spirit. It is the intoxication mm. that comes when we drink consistently of God's spirit. Yeah. The wine skin is you and I. That's right. It is the believer. It is the dwelling place. It is, it is that mystery that Paul talks about in Colossians chapter one. "Christ in me, the hope of glory. We are the containers. We are the dwelling places. Of the Holy Spirit, yeah. So we have to be pliable, Hunter. We have to be flexible, where we can hold the wine of God's Spirit. the The wine never changes. Yeah, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's right. But the wine skin must change. So recently. We had the opportunity to get some of our kingdom family married. Shout out, Lovey. Shout out to Lovey, Zach, and Michaela, now Fussell. Yeah, that's right. Mr. and Mrs. Fussell up in the, around the Savannah, Georgia area. And when we were on the way, um, Hunter was in our backseat with Abby and I, and we had the opportunity over a long drive to just talk and, uh, and just cast some vision. And while we were doing that, we, were, we decided that we wanted to put down the most five impactful things that has happened to us over our Christian walk. Yeah. You know, I think it's so important that we do look back over our lives from time to time and say, man, how the heck did I even get here? Yeah. And so when we did that, we were, so I'm driving, trying not to wreck, so I can't write <laughs> anything. And then Abby, she's, she's riding her things that impacted her and her walk with God in the passenger seat, and Hunter's in the back writing his things down. And when it comes time for everybody to give their five things and to say them out loud, everybody had agreed on number one and number two. Yeah. It it was a unanimous decision. It was a, a common denominator and a thread that all of us had that number one was the presence of God. That's right. That's the most important thing that's happened to any of us. If you have an encounter with God, friend, one one moment with him changes us forever. That's right. But number two... Was what I want you to share? What number two was? It was family.
1: It it was community. It was uh, a group of believers that hey said, "Hey, you belong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're welcome here." Mm-hmm. Um, man, I I think when you when you read the Gospels and you read the 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 Book of Acts, what does the church look like? What does this group of believers look like? Hey, man, they look like people just doing everyday life together. They look like people. I mean, hey, the, the scripture says it, and I I know you're going to touch on it, but but it's them breaking bread together. It's them at the tables eating food together, drinking, you know, breaking bread, you know, drinking wine together, and it's just them doing life, doing you know, living bone on bone and right. Hey, Casey Doss I mean, I mean, he he said something mind blowing, but so true. He said, hey, the new altar is is the table. Come on, and so I, I think, hey, you see it in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's that's where. One quote unquote revival was happening. That's where the spirit fell because of unity. Uh-huh. I, I think I also want to touch on something you said that, hey, how, how does the wine skin change? It's the oil applied to it. Uh-huh. And, and we read in Psalms 133, it says, Come on, read that. How truly wonderful and delightful to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity! It's as precious as the sacred scented oil from flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron dripping down from his beard and running all the way down to the hem of his priestly robes so how how does the wineskin change i mean if it's oil mm-hmm. and unity brings oil uh-huh did wouldn't unity wouldn't community wouldn't family help adjust that wineskin so that it can hold the wine
0: come on and the new king james in that will say that where the brethren dwell to- together in unity, God says he will command the blessing. Mm. So it's our job to get in unity with one another. Yeah, It's God's job to send the blessing. That's right. If you and I can just love God passionately with all of our heart, do the best, greatest commandment that there was, That's the right. first commandment. That's right. And then if we can just develop a deep love for each other, mm. we can see revival. That's right. And so many people want to see revival but they're not willing to do the Psalm 133 thing that you just read. Mm. And here's the reality. When we look at the book, the birth of the church in the book of Acts that Hunter just referenced, which I'm about to read to you, we have to understand that when we read that, that doesn't just, boom, just happen. Yeah. The, the deal is, is that revival doesn't come, and then unity gets established. That's, that's not what happens. What happens is, is... Unity gets established, and then revival comes. Unity happens first, then revival happens. Right, right, that's right. So let's look at uh, the book of Acts, chapter 1. So when we talk about this, we're talking about we believe that God is prophetically raising up a kingdom family of people. and And the Lord desires to shift the mindset of the bride of Christ. Yeah to where we are not just knocking out a religious duty on Sunday morning, come on, but rather we want to do what the book of Acts tells us to do, where we break bread in each other's homes. That's right. We give ourselves to the scriptures and to prayer. Um, so let's look at this. Acts chapter 1 says that when the disciples, I'm in verse 12, the disciples left the Mount of Olives and they returned to Jerusalem less than a mile away. Arriving there, they went into a large second room for to pray. And those that were present were Peter, John, Jacob, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, Jacob, Simon, Judas, and a number of women, including Mary, Jesus' mother. His brothers were there as well, and all of them were united in prayer, gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. Mm. All of them were united in prayer, gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. Now, if we can hit the pause button for a minute, and we can put the text in context we see that at this point Jesus has ascended into heaven and he has sat down at the right hand of the Father. An angel appears to these men that are standing here, and this is the 120 that was left over from the book of Luke in the 24th chapter where they were told to tarry, and 380 of them thought that that there was something better to do and didn't follow the instruction. But 120 decided to wait in Jerusalem Mm. for the promise Of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Because Jesus knew this was going to be the beginning of the church, the birth of the ecclesia, if Mm. you will. So, and an angel appears after Jesus ascends to the disciples and to the 120 that were there and says, why do you men stand here gazing? In other words, you're just standing here. It's time for you to get busy. What the angel of the Lord was trying to communicate was, God is desiring for you to impact and infiltrate culture. Mm. Go transform the culture because back in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, I have given you the keys to the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound. Whatever you bind in heaven will be bound on earth and whatever you loose in heaven will be loosed on the earth for I've given you the keys of the kingdom because in that Jesus asked Peter, he says, who do men say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He gives a great answer. And then Jesus says, exactly. And upon you, Petra, he changes his name in that moment. Upon you, this rock, I will build my church. And then I want Hunter in a minute to hit on what that word church even means. Yeah. Because when we think of church here in the south, and and, really, and probably in a lot of places of the earth, we think of something that we go to. Yeah. Church is something that we go to. That is not the biblical definition of church church. That's right. The church is not supposed to be a building or something that we attend. Church is something that we are. Mm. It's something that we live for. It's, it's, it's who we are. That's right. It's not something that we go to. So when we talk about impacting and infiltrating the culture, I found this definition the other day that I love. And it says, the definition of culture is the characteristics and knowledge of a particular group of people encompass, encompassing language, religion, cuisine, Music and arts. Thus, it can be seen as the growth of a group of identity fostered by social patterns unique to the group. Wow. Um, so, that word culture there actually comes from a Latin root, which is cotura, If if I'm even saying that right. And it actually means to cultivate and to tend to something. Mm. And then, Hunter, why don't you bring out that in Genesis that you and I were talking about earlier the one job that the primary job that Adam was given. With the earth,
1: yeah. So the what was the one thing Adam was supposed to do was to cultivate the land,
0: uh-huh, uh-huh. to quote
1: unquote culture the earth, um, to
0: but, tend to it,
1: to tend it. Yeah, that's exactly right. So to go back to that word ecclesia. So what does that mean? So what does the church mean exactly? So the word church is actually ecclesia, um, and it, when you study scripture, man, it's 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 quite funny, but it's pretty awesome how when Jesus talked to his the people of the time, he was talking to the people of the time. He used words that they would know. Um he used uh I used a lot of parables, he used a lot of hyperbole. Right. Um you know you read it in the stories when he's talking about sheep and the shepherd like in the Western church. I mean who who's who's seen the sheep in you know in the in, in the United States? How right, many people right. see it? So right. he's definitely using context and, and, and things that they would understand. And he he used uh a word ecclesia so what does that word ecclesia exactly mean it means assembly of the citizens or selected ones come on and so again the church is not a building it's you the selected ones mm-hmm. um james 1 one of my favorite verses in all of the scriptures it says uh and above all creations we we are god's favorites mm-hmm. and so we are the selected ones um and so, hey, that that that's what's our what's our job is to be the assembly of the citizens is to do just that. I, I believe, and hey, you know, this is you got to be careful what you say. But it's like, in, in what context would what what would Jesus use as the word that he would want his his believers? To yeah. How people? how would he
0: even say it? Yeah. I mean, I would almost
1: say the definition you read. He would say, "Be the culture."
0: Be the culture. Be the culture. Yeah. And what we're what Hunter and I are not saying. Is that the Lord is not using the local church or He's not going to use the local church in the days ahead? Mm. We actually believe that the primary backbone of the body of Christ is the local church. That's right. God is going to continue to use and empower the local church to be that salt and light in the earth. What we are saying is that we have to shift our mindset and change the way we think about church. Um, So, because in the book of Isaiah, the prophet says, for I am doing a new thing, and yeah. one translation says, "See, it even springs up now. Wow. It's even springing forth now." For I am doing a new thing. So if we, if we, so we've read a little bit from chapter one where they were gathered together and they were gripped with one holy passion, interceding night and day. The Holy Spirit falls, mm. and tongues of fire sit upon their heads. Yeah. They've got a fireball above their heads. They're all speaking in unknown languages. People start coming out of the woodwork. And then they think that these people are drunk. Peter says, no, these men are not drunk as you suppose. This is the wine of God's spirit. Peter preaches the gospel. And I want you to watch what happens after he gives his sermon. It says that every believer became faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. This is very important. These next couple of verses that we're going to read to you and then we're going to close this. But this is what God intends for the church to be. This when. When God gives us the, because according to the book of Hebrews, all of Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's right. Therefore, if we read this and we want to see a biblical version, a biblical model of Christianity, we've got to look at the book of Acts to say, "This, this is this is how revival happened." And here's the deal: the fact I heard Pastor Casey Doss, you referenced him earlier. I heard him say this. I heard him say recently that the fact that we even have to go back to the book of Acts to even look at something to say, my gosh, this is what it's supposed to look like, shows you how far we are behind wow. in the body of Christ. Wow. We, we, The Bible says that that we are to do greater works than what Jesus did in That's his three right. and a half years of ministry. So the fact that we even have to go back to this shows that we have definitely fallen behind. Yeah. But hey, there is hope. There is hope. That's right. And the body of Christ is rising in the earth with fire in its eyes. We need, desperately need the fire of God. So it says that every believer was faithfully the, devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion, and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. I I just want to stop for a minute and say, what if we took this serious today? Mm. What would happen, Hunter? What would happen to our churches, to to our school systems, to our businesses? Our cities would be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, as they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute proceeds to those who were in need. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. Man, I love that. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life.
1: Man, I, I, want, I want to touch on that. I think it's the the, the order of the way that, that that particular verse of Scripture is written. It's almost as if, hey, they're doing life to the, together. They're having unity together. And what happens? The miracles follow. Mm-hmm. They're doing life together.
0: That's that Psalm 133.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they're doing life together. And what follows? More people attitude. How do you want your church to grow? How do you want revival to happen? I mean, it, if you're reading the model, if, I mean, I don't want to say model, but if you're reading the scriptures, it appears, like you said earlier, the blessing follows unity.
0: And uh, again, I just want to reiterate that when we, when we look at our lives, and this, this is just two people here in South Georgia saying this, But I could probably speak for a lot of people throughout the body of Christ to say, other than like his presence becoming real to me and and me realizing that Jesus was real, you know, second to that is the community of people that I have surrounded myself with. Everybody, you don't just up and get to a certain place. You have people that are willing to invest into you, and then you take what you're getting from those people, and then you go invest it into other people. That is how the kingdom gets advanced. That's right. That is how culture gets transformed. When Jesus says, go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost— Yeah. This is what he was talking about. That's right. How are we going to see the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ? How are we going to see the manifestation of what we've called the Lord's Prayer, which is really the Apostles' Prayer, where heaven comes to earth. Wow. That kingdom come, that will be done, this is Bible, on earth as it is in heaven. How do we see that? We have to make disciples of all nations. So, we just want to leave you with this question. Who are you doing life with? Who are you pouring yourself into? Who are you investing into? Are Or are you just attending church on Sunday morning? Mm-hmm. Is this just a religious duty that's become complacent for you? where you just putting on your nice clothes and go into a building? And, and listen, again, we need and must have the local church. Yeah. We believe in the local church with all of our hearts. But the fact of the matter is, is if we only go to church and we only do the church thing, if you will, on Sunday mornings, we're not even experiencing 10% of what Jesus shed his blood for. Mm. We're, not, we're not even experiencing not even half of everything that he's desired for his, for his kids, for his children to walk in. There's so much more than that. There's so much more fullness In God, than that. So, when we talk about shifting the wineskin, that might not look like a radical, huge geographical change or a geographical relocation. What Hunter and I are talking about just simply means the wineskin in us has got to shift. What we're not saying is you need to go and leave your local church. That's not what we're saying. You need to be planted and you need to serve that house. But what we are saying is that we prophetically believe that there is something happening in the hearts of God's people all across this nation yeah. where they are looking for something more than a religious fix on Sunday morning. But they want to be a part of something. Yeah. They want to feel like I, that tweet that you sent me, in that, that you sent us in that group text where that person had, had tweeted out and said, I would give up the greatest sermon I have ever heard to just be a part of a community of believers that loves each other. I think, Hunter, if we can just simply do that, I think we will see a third great awakening in America. Mm. And you may be listening to this and and you may say, how is it? It's not that easy. There's no way that that can happen. Well, that's what they did in the book of Acts. They gave themselves to do the first commandment, which was love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and they gave themselves to love each other. That's the gospel, that's, friend. That's it. It's he who knew no sin became sin, that I through him might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Mm. He bankrupt perfect eternity to come because he loved you so much. And um, we just believe this is what the Lord is doing, man. Yeah. We believe that these new wineskins are popping up. These pockets of light, these prophetic groups of people are rising up. So let's keep our wineskins flexible. Let's be pliable because this is even true in the natural. And 2 Corinthians tells us that first comes the natural, then the spiritual. That's right. So the wine never changes. The wine is the Holy Spirit. But what has to change is us. It's the wine skins. So we're passionate about this, as you can see, because we want to see. We desire it's a it's a conviction of ours at Stantmore Ministries with the South Paul podcast. We long to see a vibrant family of image bearers that are revival-focused. And this differs greatly from a religious duty that we perform on Sunday morning, Hunter. Mm-hmm. This, this is a way of living. This is a way of life. That's we'll leave right. you with this. I encourage you to get this book. Um, but it's written by Francis Chan, and it's called The, Letter, the Letters, uh, Letters to the Church. And right in the first chapter, within the first couple of pages, Francis opens it up, and he says, He says, What if you were stranded on an island? and you had never been to church before in your life? And what if you were stranded on a deserted island and the only thing you had was your Bible, and you spent six weeks, a month, two months, whatever, reading the scriptures and just reading the book of Acts, and then you came to America, and then you looked in a traditional church service, what would that do to your mindset? I think we have to look ourselves in the mirror and look at that question. So we encourage you, if this is exploding in you and this is on the inside of you, get connected and find somebody that's burning with the same passion that you're burning with because your, your destiny is found in your tribe and in, in your people. So we love you guys. If this has blessed you and encouraged you in any way and uh, you would like to sow, you can go to stampmoreministries.com. We would love it and it would mean so much to us if you would subscribe to this podcast, to the Southpaw Paul podcast. Leave us a review, leave us a rating, share this uh, on your social media. And I think, Hunter, that we're going to be doing uh, the Reconstructed wine skin Part 2. And let's go. Because I think this is such a weighted topic. Yeah. Bless you guys. Leave us a subscri- uh, subscribe, leave us a review, and we can't wait to see you in, uh, in Episode 3, but the Reconstructed Wineskin Part 2. God bless you guys.